Um, uh, this particular first Wednesday, I'm uh, like especially excited about the evening because um, uh, one of my most very favorite people, actually one of the most, let's say the, my most very favorite person in the whole world is gonna be sharing with you this evening. Um, yeah, I'm glad that somebody else is excited about that too because you know who he is. Um, so there's just so many, um, you know, we're just blessed. We have a great staff here, just lots of godly people. And um, so I'm just always delighted to sit under and, and catch the wisdom of, of all the people who we have as part of the celebration staff, the pastoral staff. But um, this evening, you are going to have an opportunity to hear from my husband, Pastor Keith Schomer. Um, he, yeah, you can give it up for him. He's been around for a long time. He has a great gift. Um, he's usually on Wednesday nights down with the youth or on first Wednesdays down with the kids. And so I know he's delighted to be able to come and spend some time with the grown-ups this evening as well. Um, so I'm just gonna let him get to it. I'm not gonna take any more time. So please welcome Pastor Keith. All right. <laughs> Ooh, that's hot. Yeah. Hey, I'm excited to be here, no doubt. Um, yeah, so I'm typically down, uh, down by the youth, and Pastor Ben leads that. If you guys know him, you've heard him speak a couple times. He does a killer job down there. Uh, actually, what I'm going to share tonight is really what we share with the youth, okay? So if you have students who are in 5th through 12th grade, and they're not down there, I'm just telling you not to brag on ourselves and brag on, I'll brag on Ben, on, on ben but you're missing out. So this, this is essentially what we do, and then we break into small groups each and every week in Green Bay here, and I know the campuses do some small group stuff. But uh, anyway, just a shameless plug for that. And typically when I'm on this stage, it is uh, the third week in July where we take over the entire church and we bring a number of kids in here and we do our fine arts camp, which didn't happen last year, clearly, but is happening this year. So there's a shameless plug for that. All right, so we, uh, registration uh, started yesterday. We are at 272 plus kids and climbing. So we are excited for this summer and all the great things that uh, God will do through us. So I'm excited to be with you guys today. I wanna talk a little bit about um, how we can stand for truth in a world that's telling us lies or telling us something that's against the truth. But I do need to define a term for you. Um, and, and it's gonna be difficult. I'm, we work, I'm, I'm preaching to students all the time and, and we move, okay? So sorry, camera people, it's gonna be like, but I'll try to hold still. But anyway, I wanna explain this term to you, it's called God flex, all right? And if you happen to hear, hear students been talking about that recently, we're doing a whole series on God flex. And what that is, is when God shows up and flexes, right, and shows his power, his authority, his goodness, and we just like, whoa, okay? Now, there's a difference between my flex, okay, and I know you can't see it, but I've been, I've been doing 100 push-ups a day for the last 25 days, all right? I know, because it's all about me, no, but there's a group of guys, somebody started it, and next thing you know, there's like 30 people in this church, all right? How many of you guys are in here if you're here? And some of you guys maybe even online, right? And their kids are doing it, and we're doing it, and we're just like, mm, okay, but we're flexing, but that's not where we want to go. Our flex, no matter how hard we flex, and thank you for noticing, I know you did. Um, that's why I wore a long sleeve shirt, not to embarrass myself. Like, really? I don't think you really have been doing that, no. Um, but... When, when our flex compared to God flex is just totally different, right? We want to focus in on God flex because he is faithful, he's merciful, he's just, and uh, when our strength can't do it, he can, all right? And so um, there's a couple things. Uh, I want you to actually, speaking of God flex, think in your life, like where have you seen God flex 
in your life? Sometimes we call them like God winks or, or whatever. Where have you seen where maybe you've been put down in the corner and backed up and you just, there's no, nothing you can do and then miraculously it worked and you're kind of like, well, I'm not good enough to be able to pull that off. So God apparently was in it, all right? And so hopefully you have some of those. I have a couple that I can share with you and sometimes we, we need to make them big and small. So like one of my big ones was when God flexed in my life, um, I'm driving to work when I didn't work here, I was driving, uh, and I heard God say Costa Rica. As much as I've ever heard him speak audibly to me, it was Costa Rica, Costa Rica, Costa Rica for 45 minutes. And I'm like, duh, because they were just heard about a mission trip to Costa Rica uh, that day before in church, okay? I'd never been on a trip, okay? And I'm like, I'm gonna do it, okay, I'll do it. And so I went on the trip and actually somebody prophesied over me and, uh, and told me I'd be minister in many nations and sure enough, since then, uh, fast forward 20, 30 years, whatever, 25 years, I have in fact ministered in a number of nations and things like that. So that was a cool God flex, right? And they're like, yeah, right, God, you go God, right? Uh, how about a simple one though, because you're all like, I've never had that happen to me. And let me just say this, as far as audible or feeling like it's almost audible two times in my life, and no one was around me, so they couldn't tell me if it was audible. It just was really strong, okay? Um, so if you're like, I never hear God, well, join the club, okay? But anyway, so we're talking about God flexing. Another one was uh, a couple years ago, uh, my wife and I are laying in bed, and that's all we're going to say, okay? And we're just like, hey, you know, um, I really haven't, like, it feels like we really haven't sensed God lately. Like, and, and we just kind of somehow got in that conversation, and we paused, and we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, like, hey, what are you thinking about? She's like, Castle. I'm like, I'm thinking about a castle. We never think about castles, okay? And especially when we're in bed, okay? So I'm just saying, it was just this little moment, and you're like, that's just a coincidence. You call it what you want. I'm calling God's like, bing, hey, I'm here, okay? So these God flexes can be a number of different, uh, you know, big or small, but we just need to know that God is flexing in our life. And there's a reason he flexes, and it's not, sometimes it's to build our faith, but it's also to mess with the people around us, and we're gonna see that tonight. Now, if you're saying, you know what, I've never had any of those situations in my life, that's fine. I wanna go ahead and draw your attention to uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. And it says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ, where faith comes by hearing, hearing of the word of God, right? And so we build our faith. We can have those, uh, those moments by reading God's word. We need to read God's word over and over and over and over again to continue to build our faith and to remind us of how awesome he is and what he can do in our lives, okay? And so uh, we're going to be looking at how God flexed in a guy uh, named Elijah tonight, not Elisha, Elijah, and uh, he's my favorite guy in the Bible. And so we're going to see how he moves in it with the prophets of Baal and, uh, and then see how he stood for truth in a land that was nothing but lies, okay? And so uh, a couple things before we get into that. So Elijah ends up standing out. He stood out from everybody. And I don't know if you guys have ever had this opportunity of standing out or going against the flow, like when you forgot your... Uh, forgot something in your car and everybody's coming in to let's say a game and you're trying to get out and you're like, ah, okay. So it takes effort to stand out or stand up for people. Um, and there's different reasons why people want to stand out or stand up. Sometimes they're just doing it for attention. Uh, sometimes they're doing it for a cause. Sometimes they're doing it to stand up for truth, okay, which is kind of where we're going to go. Uh, a couple of real quick things for me. I had times when I stood out uh, in high school. Uh, this was it, except it was much more, okay, you know how you were in high school as well. All right. And so uh, I stood out in sports. 
not because I was all that great, but because of effort, right? I was just, uh, and now to a lot of effort, but not like Rudy effort, okay? Have you ever seen that movie? That's a whole nother level, okay? Uh, but, but I stood out because of, of effort. And then here's one which will kind of lead into what we're going tonight is uh, I was working somewhere else. I wasn't in the ministry at the time, and I went to some training that was totally, um, they were, it, was, it was lies that they were trying to put off, and it was going to go to 2,000 plus people. And I'm like... And my heart's racing, and my, I'm like, this is wrong. And somebody challenged me, who actually went to this church at the time, challenged me and was like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, well, what are you going to do, is what I'm thinking. You're in the same training I am. And he's like, what are you going to do? And so I had this idea, and I had to say, it was a God thing, because I had inter, uh, interacted with the CEO um, of this large 2,000-plus person company before, and so I emailed him. And I said, I'm thinking, what were you thinking, right? I'm just like this little guy. And I emailed him and said, hey, this is wrong. This is what da, 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 da. Next thing you know, I have to have a meeting with his uh, VP. And, and I'm like, I am way out of my league, right? And, and just going. And, and I would just ex- explain what was going on. Then we had to have committees. And oh, yeah, so that's not, the point was, this was a big deal. And I just, I just, God empowered me to stand up and to do it, right? To say, this is not right. Okay, and that's where we're going tonight, standing up for truth in a place where there's all kinds of lies and where it's totally going against us, all right? And so we live in a world that is often telling us complete opposite. You come here, and I come here, and so we sing, we're like, yes, Jesus, right? We're all in to God, and then we go home, we read our Bibles, we're like, yes, we're all in, uh, whatever your experience is, and then if you just go out to work, or you go to the store, or if you open your phone, or take a look at the TV, uh, the majority of those messages are complete opposite, right? Would you agree with that? It's complete opposite of what we, what we, um, what we experience, and is trying to like derail us from the truth that we should be standing for. It reminds me of this. I can say it to you when I said this to the youth uh, when I talk about old games. They're like, <laughs> so I can say Frogger. Is anybody like Frogger? Anybody with Frogger? All right, you're all going home tonight finding Frogger. I'm going to find a Frogger. Anyway, it reminds me of being Frogger. Like you're, you're trying to stand for the truth, and there's stuff just coming at us all the time. And that's fine, right? You know, the Bible tells us that we are aliens, and it's, you know, we shouldn't expect much different. But, um, you know, we, we just have to be aware of that, that we are in this situation where things are coming at us and trying to keep us from standing for the troops. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to take a look at a guy named Elijah in the Bible. And uh, James talks about Elijah and says, hey, he was just a man like you and me. Now, if you're a woman, you get the idea, right? He would be, you know, equivalent, right? You get that. But, um, but he's not, he, he's so amazing that he stands up, though, for truth in a time that's pretty crazy. You're going to go ahead and see it. So I'll put it a little bit into context and then we'll read a bunch of it uh, tonight. So hopefully you guys are ready to, to read. Um, but Elijah, he was a prophet. If you don't know what a prophet is, prophet was uh, somebody that would speak for God. God would talk with them and, and let, however let him know what his thoughts and what he wanted the people to know. And then he would go ahead and, and share it with people. Okay. Now, since Jesus right now, we can come boldly before the throne, right? So we don't have to have the prophets telling us like, well, what should we do? But in this time, Elijah was a prophet and he's the one telling him, hey, this is what's going on. And then there's a guy we're going to need to introduce. His name is Ahab, and he's the king. He became king. And the Bible says this, that King Ahab did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than anyone before him. So this guy is bad news. And you're like, King Ahab, Ahab. If I said Jezebel, 
That's his wife, okay? And behind every good, behind every bad man, right, is an even worse wife, okay? But we're going to focus in on uh, Ahab. And so anyway, so Ahab is, uh, is not happy. He's starting to try to convert all of God's people towards uh, Baal, worshiping Baal, false god, and the people are going for it. Right, it's God's people. We see this all the time. They go up, they go down, this apostasy stuff they do. But they are starting to go away from God and following what uh, Ahab is trying to sell with Baal. And he's going around killing all the prophets. Okay, because there's other people that God was speaking through. And so he's killing all the prophets. Elijah sees all this stuff. God speaks to him. He prays for no rain. So it's like three plus years without rain, if you can imagine that. Like if we go a month, we're all like, oh no. Right? What's going on? And, uh, but three plus years with no rain. So uh, Ahab's pretty torqued. He's very upset. And they're looking for Elijah, and they just can't find this guy because they want to kill him. Okay? And they've had some interchanges already, so it's not like they don't know each other. And, uh, and so uh, he, Elijah's just doing what God's telling him to do. So that's cool. So we're going to pick it up when they finally see each other, and let's see uh, what happens. So we'll go to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17 and 18. And, uh, and when he, that would be Ahab, saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? And then Elijah, he's not taking it. He said, I've not made trouble for Israel, Elijah said, but you and your family, or your father's family have, you have abandoned the Lord's commandments and followed that of Baal's, okay? And so isn't it funny, when we are standing for right, then someone who's doing the complete opposite, they try to blame it on us, Right? And, and, and distract the whole situation. Well, he's not, Elijah's not falling for it. First, he's like, nope. And then, oh, by the way, I'm going to issue you a challenge. Um, and, and we're going to find out really whose God is going to be uh, this way. So um, how, what kind of a challenge is he going to do? He's going to challenge, like, uh, whose God can rain fire? Okay, like, okay, you got a lot of you guys are familiar with this. Like, who's going to rain the fire, rain it down? Uh, I've challenged different people in my life to things like uh, pig or things like pickleball, right? Which I'm not all that great at, but I mean, if you want to do a challenge. But how about a challenge? Uh, and as I mentioned, we're going to see it's 450 to 1. Those odds are not great. But a challenge to, let's see who can have their God rain fire, okay? And, and the risk is not only looking crazy, but risk is death. Like 450 to 1 is a big deal. So we're going to go ahead and see uh, how God ends up flexing and working through this. So we go to uh, verse 19, right? And, uh, and here's the thing that we see is that Elijah includes the people, God's people. It's not just about Elijah versus these 450. He's bringing, and there's a purpose for it, as God's going to flex. So he says, now some of the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Remember, she was a real piece of work, okay? But we won't get into her. Just read this if, later if you want to see how amazing she was. Uh, but so Ahab sent word throughout Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and he says this, how long will you waver between two opinions? Like, he's like, come on, are you guys going to just sit the fence or what? And if the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal's God, then follow him. Crickets. They don't say anything, right? You ever do this with your kids? You're like, do this or do this. <laughs> you right? They just do it. And so they're like, 
dumbfounded. Um, and then Elijah, we go on verse 22, right? It says, then Elijah said to them, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left, right? But Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls, let Baal's prophets choose one of them and let them cut them to pieces, put it on the wood. And then I'll prepare the other bull and put it on wood, but not set fire to it. Then call in the name of your God and I will call the name of my God and we'll see who sets things on fire, right? And then the people say, that sounds good. So now they're going to speak up, right? Because they're not put on the spot. So uh, Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, choose your bull and then go ahead and get it done. So here's the, they go ahead and they start to, they, they set uh, their, their bulls up, or their, their sacrifices, getting them all ready and, and doing those things. And uh, how many guys are a little bit sarcastic? Anybody sarcastic? Okay, anybody like to give other people a hard time? Because you're going to love Elijah. You're like, ooh, yeah, that's my guy, all right? That's my guy. Because we go ahead and we see that, right? And so they're getting ready. This is an epic story. This is probably one of the more larger God flexes in the Bible that we see. So, um, so we get in 1 Kings 18, 26, and I'll kind of just paraphrase as we go through here, but looking at 26. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal answer us. They're going. And then verse 27, Elijah starts messing with them. He's like, come on, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with your God? Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's on vacation. Where is he, right? Like just jarring him on because there's nothing that they can do. They can just go crazy for him. And they do, in fact. They start cutting themselves. They just start yelling and screaming and going and going and going and going. And then uh, just before verse 30, Elijah's had enough. He's like, okay, like you've been doing this for hours and nothing's going on. And so verse 30, say, then Elijah said to the people, come hear me. And they came, right? Again, this is not just for him. There's a purpose for this showdown. All right? and, and he said, come to me. And they came to him and then and he repaired the altar that the Lord had said. And then he took 12 stones uh, from the tribes uh, descended from Jacob. I think just messing with them saying, hey, this is where you came from, guys. The 12 tribes you came from. This, you're God's people. And they're all like, oh, you know, okay, getting convicted maybe a little bit. Um, and then um, he said, your name shall be Israel. Okay, we already talked about that. Oh, oh, and then he gets into this. So verse 33, just to make sure that nobody just says, well, you know, it just happened. He said, all right, start getting the water and start dousing, right, this. Now, they're in a drought, just by the way, so I don't know where they're getting this water from, but he's like, Get, so it's very valuable, right? So you better be right, man, right? And he's like, get four large things and dump the water on it, okay? And uh, he's up in the game so that you can't say that it just started on fire because it's so dry. And then 30 verse, verse 34, he says that, do it again. Then do it a third time, okay? He is just laying out. So there's water everywhere. Everything is soaked and, um, and, and he's ready. And so... Um, so verse 36, at this time, the sacrifice prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. I counted them, 59 word prayer. I think sometimes we think our prayers need to be really long. They need to you know, be drawn out and stuff. 59 words won't take you very long, maybe like 15, 20 seconds to say, and he says this uh, in verse 36. Uh, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Again, it wasn't about him. God flexing in our life isn't about us as much as it is about those around us. And so he prays this prayer, 59 words, 
And then fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. I'm thinking if it burned up the stones, it's definitely going to deal with the water, okay? I'm just thinking, you know, when I was like, like, that's funny that you put that in there. But the bottom line is, it is all-consuming, right? It's funny that you sang that song, right? There's another in the fire. I'm thinking, oh, how can we add that in here, right? So anyway... Um, so God clearly flexes and rains down uh, fire. And then I like this part, too, because we see, uh, well, maybe I'm sick, but verse 40. Um, then Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal, 450 of them, right? Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered them, right? Not that I like slaughtering people, but we need to get that out. That needed to be dealt with, those particular um, prophets, right? False prophets. So God definitely showed up and he flexed uh, for those guys in, in flexed for Elijah. But all the people, right? We saw they all fell down then. And they're like, you are our God. So that's such a huge thing, right? When God flexes in our life, it's not again just for us. It's for those around us and how he can impact their lives, right? Because people are watching. They're watching your life. They're watching my life. And, uh, and they're wondering, is this for real, right? And so uh, hopefully they will see that, in fact, this is for real. And so Elijah, God flex for Elijah, and I'm hoping that God will flex for you guys tonight and, and for me, right? Like, let's have him flex in our lives. There's so many things that we could talk about in the story of Elijah, um, but I can only, I'm only going to grab three, all right? Grab three here uh, tonight. So here's the first one. Um, Remember, Elijah was the only prophet left, or so he believed, and later we find out that there were some that were hidden away, but he believed he was the only one left, and when you believe that you're alone, uh, it can get pretty lonely, and it can get really hard, okay? And, um, and he, but Elijah did this, even though it was 450 to one, he decided that he was not um, going to be concerned about what was popular, Right? He wasn't going to be concerned about what was popular. The first thing he did was he stayed focused on the truth that God had given him and what he was speaking to him. All right? Now, here's the thing. If we want to see God show up in our lives, we need to not be so focused on what's popular. Right? We need to be not so focused on what's going on uh, in, our, in the, you know, our social media. All-consuming. Right? We need to not be focused on what's going on, what's the latest trends. And not that they're all bad, but what is it consuming your attention? What is consuming your focus? What is consuming my focus? We need to be like, hey, focus on the things that God has. If you want more power from God, then let's go ahead and focus on those things. Otherwise, we're missing out. Right? How much time... Well, I can't talk. I shouldn't say it. I guess it's a large group. So now I can, like, how much time are you? Because you don't even know who I'm talking to, right? How much time are you spending on social media? But I really should be saying, how much time am I spending on social media? Uh, no problem. Half hour can go like that. How about an hour like that? I'll stop there, okay? <laughs> can you see? Okay, really? I got this thing, like, I've never done it, and I'm kind of scared of it, but I love watching UFC, on, on, and it just comes up. And once they know that you watch it, man, it comes into your feed all the time. And so the next thing you know, it's a half hour 
hour, and I'm never going to fight any of those guys. I don't know how to do any of it, but it just becomes this all-consuming thing. So really, where are we focusing on? Um, and then are, are we trying to be noticed? Uh, who are we trying to be like? How are we trying to celebrate? Who do, you know, all of these things will mess with us, and we need to be careful, okay? And I have to think that Elijah felt the pull. A lot of times we, we take people in the Bible and we say, well, if I was him or I was her, I wouldn't struggle with being concerned with what was popular. Remember what James said? James said that he was a man just like you and I. So he had to have, the, I'm, I'm thinking he had those struggles of, of being popular or just wanting to give in. Like he's been on the run. He's been tired. He's just like, oh, I just had enough. Did you ever get there? You're just like, can we just make this stop? Maybe I could just, maybe if I just become a Baal worshiper, I'll be 451. I'll be the 451st one. Then life will be better. But instead, he stuck with it, what was unpopular. Okay? And so here's the thing. The biggest struggle maybe for some of you in tonight uh, isn't about who God is or if he's flexed in your life, because you've, you've seen him flex. Um, but you're still just pursuing the things of the world. That, maybe that's you. Maybe you were like, I'm just pursuing those things. Um, and, and it's a problem. Your focus is off. Uh, Matthew 6, 24 uh, says it's talking about money and God, but I think you can certainly equate it into other things in our lives. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one or love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We can't serve two masters. By the way, we serve, if you're serving uh, Jesus Christ and, and right, God, the Father of the Trinity, right? The jealous God. It's like no sharing. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't like the sharing part, right? And so where are we? Are we putting other things in our lives? And it's going to impact our ability to have God work in our life and have the power, right? But you're going to have to go ahead and stand up uh, for the truth and stand against um, what's popular, all right? Step one, all right? The second one is uh, this. Um, we often follow the crowd because uh, we don't want to be at a disadvantage. Like, I know I shouldn't, but if I do, if I don't, I should say, if I don't follow the crowd, then I'm going to be at a disadvantage. I'm going to be at a disadvantage uh, at home. I'm going to be at a disadvantage at work. I'm going to be at a disadvantage uh, with my friends, and here's the thing, our disadvantage, the worldly disadvantage, actually sets God up for his advantage, which is really kind of counterintuitive, right? We think, well, I don't know. But if God is who he says he is, is he all-powerful, all-knowing, right? All true, you can trust him, uh, then we can know that we're being even, it seems like a disadvantage, it actually becomes an advantage for him because his perspective is so much greater than ours. His wisdom is greater than ours. His plan for your life, believe it or not, is greater than your own plan for your life, all right? And so uh, if you look from an outsider, even if you were like with Elijah, you'd be like, you're crazy, man. What you're doing is totally off base. It has nothing to do with what's going on. You are so in trouble, 450 to one. Uh, I want to step back, right? You are at such a disadvantage. But here's the thing. Your setback is God set up to do amazing things, okay? Your setback is God set up 
to do amazing things. And hopefully you've experienced that in your life or some of you are like, I'm in a setback right now. I just want to encourage you, and this is where that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, listening to other people's stories, how God has moved in their life, that when you feel like you're at a disadvantage and you want to give up, that you don't. That you can know that, oh, if that happens for them, it could happen for me. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if that's true, then guess what? He can move in your life and he can move in my life. And so this, this disadvantage that we are afraid of, right? Now, once I was talking about fear, you know, chains break and fear fall, all this like, fear ends up messing with us. We're afraid that we're not going to be set up enough like everybody else and all that stuff. That all can go back. It can all go away. And so we can uh, not be consumed by the concern of being disadvantaged if we do the things that God has in us, all right? And uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and ask the musicians that they could go ahead and come back and get ready. And I'll bring my third point. There's only three. <laughs> be like, could we go longer? Yeah. No one said that. I don't know. That's good. Yeah. All right. That's fine. Um, but here, here, here's how this, I love how this account ends, right? We see the prophets of Baal are yelling, they're screaming, they're cutting themselves, right? No matter how hard they tried, this God, this God who's a false God was never going to come alive. And here's the thing. There's some of you in this room, and there's been times in my life, maybe when, when we've done this, that, and maybe you wouldn't put it this way, but you are following, trying to create a God out of something that's not, in fact, a God, right? Your, your attention and your focus and all the things that you'll be doing are, are maybe going towards your job, and if I just work harder, longer, and put more effort, then I'll be happy, I'll be successful, and I'll be complete. And that's the biggest lie. Well, not the biggest lie. It's a big lie. Let's go there, right? That's a big lie. You're like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, well, it's not work. I, I got that figured out. But it's, it's more uh, my, my relationship that I want to start with somebody. I'm going to put all my focus in on that, and that's going to become my mini God, or it's your hobby or my hobby, right? Whatever you want to put there, the thing, whatever you're saying, you know what? We put it this way <laughs> when we get to, to Lent a lot of times, right? We're like, what can you give up, or whatever. Is there something in your life, like I said, hey, if you gave that up, um, how would it go? If you'd stop that right now, how, how would it be? You're like, oh, I'd die. That's a pretty good indicator that maybe that is consuming too much of your time and your attention and maybe an idol. Here's the word, right, that we've used before. It's an idol in your life. And we need to assess that. Like, what are we trying to put? Because these, it doesn't matter if you're serious. It doesn't matter if you put effort into it. No, but I'm really trying hard. These guys were so, these prophets of Baal were so into it. They believed so much that their God was going to be it, that that was how everything was going to work for them. To the point they're cutting themselves. They're just doing whatever they have to do. And no matter how hard they tried, it never came to fruition. It never materialized. So I don't know, no matter how hard you work, no matter how hard you trust in your wife or your husband, and try to elevate them to that God position. Or your kids, or your grandkids, and I love kids. Or whatever it is, no matter how hard we push on that and try to make it to become a God, it will never be that. There's only one true God. 
And I know among you, I know that, I know. I know you know that, and I know I've known that, but there's times when things drift in. It drifts in, and all of a sudden, there, I go, oh, I need to kind of reset and get myself right with God, all right? And so when God shows up and he flexes, we saw this as we go, and, and finally God shows up and rains, rains that fire down, and all the people are like, you are the one true God. When he comes and he flexes in our lives, again, it impacts us, but you watch the people that it changes around us and see how God moves in their lives because you were willing to stand up and step out, right? So I have a question for you. Like, what is it that you're thinking about that you, maybe God has been asking you or that you should stand up for? What's a truth maybe you need to be standing up for or something he's asking you to, to go against the flow with? And you're like, oh, I don't know. Or some of you, I think, do know. Good indicator is sometimes maybe your hands start getting sweaty. <laughs> your heart starts racing a little bit and you're like, oh, maybe. Or if you're bold enough to ask this question, God, what is it that you'd want me to stand up for? What is it that you'd want me to do? And see what he says. And then finally, before we close, you may be saying, I don't know what I would say. I'm so afraid to ask that prayer or I'm so afraid to, to really lean into what I think God is asking me to do because I have no idea what to say. The final verse I wanna go through is Luke 12, 11 through 12. You're not alone, right? The disciples, they're like, I, I don't know. It says this, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how to defend yourselves or what to say. For at that time, the Holy Spirit will teach you what you should say. The Holy Spirit will teach you and teach me what we should say. And as many of you guys have been hearing about it, but May 23rd at six o'clock in the Green Bay campus, May 22nd, six o'clock at Stevens Point, we're having a Holy Spirit night. You need to be there. That power that Pastor Mark's been talking about, that the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and he will teach us to say the right things at the right time. I can't encourage you enough to be part of that night. But so you don't need to worry about what to say. He will help you. So there's no real good excuse for us not to step out and do what he's asking us to do, to go against the crowd, all right? Anybody know what it is? And he's thinking, oh, I don't know. I tell you what, let me go ahead and pray for you. Because <laughs> we all could use it, all right? Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you for your goodness. And we thank you that you do flex for us and that you will flex for us when we stand up for what's right. And God, I ask for each one of us in this room that you would reveal uh, something that we need to stand up for. And then give us the strength and the courage to do it, to stand up and speak for the truth, your truth. God, I'm really look forward to watching you flex and help us to share that story, not for our glory, but for yours when you do. In Jesus' name, amen.